We just want to say welcome. We're really glad you're here. Also, welcome parents, uh, family members who are here for the baptism later. Really thankful for you joining us today. Um, before we dive into today's message, I think um, we're all keenly aware of what's happening overseas and in the Ukraine, and I've um, been talking to many people just about the heaviness on our hearts about some of the things that we see um, on our phones, and it's just, it's just really discouraging. Um, but in times like this, I think it's super important that we as a church, even church globally, pray and really pray that the Lord would just be in this situation and maybe and also bring peace to the situation too. So before we dive into today's message, I'm just going to pray for us, and you can pray along with me just for what's going on in the Ukraine. And Lord, we just are thankful to be here um, together. But we are praying for um, those, those that are in the Ukraine, civilians, brothers and sisters that are there, Lord. And we just pray just for your peace to be in this space. God, we trust that you are the God of peace. And we just ask for you to move powerfully to stop this, to stop what's happening. And God, we just, we just cling to you and trust that you are powerful. You're far more powerful than any tank, any gun, whatever. Um, Lord, we, we trust in your peace that fills the earth. And we ask that you would show up in this space and just protect people um, from the destruction that we see. And so we cling to you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, well, be, be continuing to pray throughout your week, and we just pray that there would, again, be peace to this situation. But we are continuing our series in the book of Acts, um, and we've been in this series, really, since we're a new church, trying to seek to build a firm foundation as a church. And we've been looking throughout the books, book of Acts at these first Christians, really their faith and their love of Jesus, and hopefully for us to be, as a new church, a, a church that follows their example and builds a good foundation of health and love of God. And following along the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Apostle Paul and his missionary journey throughout the ancient world. Last week, he was in Athens, Greece, and this week, he is going to be visiting the city of Corinth. And uh, like I shared last week, me and my family, we uh, actually visited Greece uh, a couple years ago before the pandemic, and um, we had a, a really wonderful time. They're looking forward to hopefully doing that soon um, and traveling again as this pandemic is coming to an end. But we learned a lot in our time in um, Corinth and in Athens, and um, one thing you'll notice is most of the city is completely in rubble. All the wars throughout the years, it's, it's pretty much a shell of itself. But what Corinth used to be it was, had a major reputation in the ancient world as being a place that we would consider a party city. In a lot of ways, it was a place, like if someone said they were going to Vegas today or Miami or New Orleans or Amsterdam, it kind of had that kind of reputation to it. And even though most of the city is in rubble and it's just a small little town now, it has nothing that looks anything close to that now, um, there's still remnants of what it used to be. In fact, uh, there's this um, temple there. It's uh, the Temple of Apollo, if you want to throw up that slide. Um, and even if you look at the top of the temple, you will notice there's some writing. It's kind of hard to see on the photo here, but if you were there, you could see remnants of a writing. And it, it was a sign that really like spoke to what the city of Corinth was all about. And the, this phrase was all over their pamphlets, advertising, signs. And what this, the writing said in Greek was this, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. That was totally a joke, really bad. 
And it was either between that or O Corinth, oh yeah, so I think I picked the better of the two options, right? Okay, I'm a dad, I just, I can't help myself with the dad joke. Some of you believe me, though, I got some of you, so that's good. Um, But this place was really well known for being, again, a party capital of the world. It was wild, and the reason for that was um, Corinth was a major shipping port in the ancient world. If you were traveling throughout the Mediterranean, at some point you had to stop in Corinth because of its importance to the rest of the world. And so sailors would travel, and there was kind of this reputation that I can do whatever I want here, and I can do anything, and there's no consequence to the life that I'm living. And there were um, many uh, cult prostitutes, and um, there was a temple of Aphrodite, and people would just practice all forms of immorality within this place. And in a lot of ways, and you're thinking of Paul, it was definitely a tough place, I think, to be a Christian. Even if you look at some evidence of this in Paul's letters to the Corinthian church, and Paul established this church, but years later he wrote to this church, and it was very clear that this church was very much looking much more like the city than even looking like Jesus. And there were stories throughout um, First and Second Corinthians where Paul talks about how people had claims of spiritual superiority over one another. They were suing one another. They were getting drunk on communion wine, practicing sexual immorality, and a lot of other things. And Paul was calling this church to live to a higher standard to get back to their roots of looking like Jesus, even in a tough city like Corinth. Again, like I said, it's safe to say it was hard to follow Jesus in Corinth. And when I was thinking about this passage and the reality of this, I began to think about us here in Athens. And obviously, you know, Athens, Ohio is not anywhere near to how um, the ancient world looked in Corinth as far as some of the things they would practice, especially with their idolatry. But I think we would all agree Athens has a reputation, right? Especially even before the pandemic. I remember when I was in high school and I would talk to friends who would go down to visit here for Halloween. I'm sure you, you have friends or maybe you were in that spot too where you came here for something like that. And just you would hear stories about how wild things were. And even before many of our team moved to Athens, you would hear stories and people would say, wow, you want to move there? That godless city? What's wrong with you? No one wants to follow God in Athens. That's, that's wild. And someone even said, I think there's more dogs there than Christians. That might be true. I don't know. I haven't counted. Uh, but, but man, I think there's a reputation about being here. And obviously, we know a lot of those are exaggerated for sure. Um, but even when we were going through the process of moving here before even the pandemic, we would talk to people that went to school here and um, graduated from OU, and they would say, man, it's tough to really find good Christian community. It's tough to follow God in this place. There's almost this magnet on you to, to go down the path you know you're not supposed to go. And that was something that we kept hearing time and again from people. And not that we're the solution to it, obviously, I'm not saying that, but I I think we want to be a church that tries to exist in a tough place and to really help you grow in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Because the reality is, and it's not just Athens, the world is getting tougher and tougher to be a Christian, especially the college campus. It might be tougher and tougher to express that you are a follower of Jesus, Um, and there might be a lot more pushback than there was before as well. And, and a lot of that, too, maybe people have misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian, or maybe you were in a spot where someone said they were a Christian and they didn't represent themselves well and maybe judged you. And if that was the case, man, we are really sorry about that. 
that stinks. We want to be a church that's built on truth, but also built on love. And that's really the desire that we have as a church is to be those two things. And we can disagree, but really disagree in a way that's loving and respectful towards one another. But we're, we want to be a church that's built on the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done in our lives. And so as we look at this story, and as we, we're going to be in Acts 18, um, we're going to look at Paul's journey here, and we're going to look at Paul in Corinth. And I think there's going to be things that we take away from this story that can apply to our lives. We're kinda, it's, in a lot of ways, the passage is going to be a springboard to helping us understand how we can follow God in tough places, not just here in Athens, but I think beyond as well, wherever God might send you next. And so we'll kind of follow along in the passage, we'll share what's going on, and then we'll get into sharing about some principles that we can follow to follow God in difficult places. And so, um, yeah, if you have your Bibles, it will be in Acts 18. If you don't, that's totally fine. You can just follow along on the screen. And so starting in verse 1, here's what it says. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And so we'll just pause there. And so what's happening here is Paul goes to Corinth, and he meets some friends, and he begins working as a tent maker by trade. And it's kind of interesting here. This is something has shifted in Paul's um, missionary objectives and, and the way he's doing his strategy in a way of doing ministry. Um, before, he would kind of visit a city, drop a gospel bomb, and kind of head out. But this is really one of the first times where he really digs in deep and builds roots in a city. And I don't know if, if his strategy, just he felt like he needed to adjust his strategy, or maybe he was just getting older, or maybe something about this place. He just felt like, man, I just need to be here a little longer. But something changed where he felt like, I just want to be here. I just want to be among these people. I want to be working and, and sharing the gospel over time and establishing this church. And so what begins to happen in the next section, which we won't read, but I'll summarize, he, he begins sharing the gospel with a synagogue and some um, Jews and some Gentiles, and he gets frustrated because he begins sharing that Jesus is the Messiah and people don't receive it. And he gets to the point where he gets so frustrated, he's just like, I'm done with you people, I'm going to the Gentiles, I'm done trying to convince you that this Jesus is the Messiah we've been looking for, and he gets frustrated and moves on. And when I, when I read that, I just felt like, man, just so encouraged, because I think in ministry and in life, you hit these moments where it's just things get really hard and frustrating. You're trying to move um, and trying to do things, but it can just be so hard and just encouraging that these people that we read about are real people that had real trials and difficulties, um, and, and Paul was frustrated, but it did show that his focus had changed. He felt like he was for sharing the gospel to Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish, who didn't know about the God of the Bible, and that really was his mission. But he said these things, but a chapter or two later, he would shift and still go back to his Jewish roots and share the gospel with Jewish people. Um, 
And even in that too, even in this story, we get to see people who came to know Christ, that um, people who were Jews and Gentiles who came to faith in Jesus in this place. And even in some of that frustration, Jesus meets Paul. And in verse 9, Jesus says to him, and it says this, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And so Jesus says to him, we'll just pause there. He, he says, I'm with you, Paul. There's people in this city that are my people. I know it's tough, but keep sharing. Don't be afraid. I'm, I'm going to protect you. And again, Jesus answers his, his, his command and his call to Paul. Because we even see a little bit later, which we won't get to, where there's uh, trial and tribulations against Paul. These people rise up and they want to stop Paul, but God works so that nothing happens to him. And, and in verse 11, it says that he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And so again, Paul is digging deep roots in the city and Jesus is protecting him. And even though it's been tough, he's been persevering and moving along. And again, th- this passage and this story just really encourages me. And as we begin to think about where we are today and where maybe God might be sending you to maybe a difficult place or a hard place, or maybe it's been hard, maybe following God in this setting. I think there's some principles that we can learn from this passage that I think can help us really be in a spot where where we're growing in our walk with Jesus, even in a challenging place. And obviously, there's more things we could say, but I think the things that we're going to talk about today are really starting places for how we can grow in our walk with Jesus. And so um, here's some keys to follow, to following God in hard places. Number one, and here's, here's kind of a first question we should ask ourselves. Are you firm in truth? In difficult places, are you firm in truth? Paul was firm in truth. In this passage, it says Paul was occupied with the word. He was occupied with scripture, and that was his guide for what was true. He allowed God's word to fill him and direct him and guide every area of his life. We need to be firm in God's truth, listening to the will of God, being directed by scripture, praying and spending time with God. Jesus says that if you build your life on his word, on truth, you're like somebody that builds a house on firm, a firm foundation, on stone. And when winds and floods come, your home is secure. But if you don't build your life on the truth, it's like building your house on sand. And when rains and floods come, your house will fall apart because it has no foundation. We live in a world right now that does not value truth. It does not value the foundation of truth. In fact, what we will say in our modern world is that truth is relative, and ultimately truth is whatever makes you happy. And that's what you should pursue to the fullest, whatever makes you happy. Now, that sounds nice. That sounds sounds really great. But I think if we actually break that down, that doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense. Because if you actually pursued whatever makes you happy for every situation, you would be miserable you would be miserable. You would hurt yourself, and you would hurt those around you as well. There is a truth that we believe as Christians that we can stand on that is God's truth that actually creates ultimate joy, ultimate flourishing, and ultimate happiness in him. 
You know, as Christians, we believe that God is our Father, that He loves us and cares for us. And just like a good father cares for his kids and tells his kids, no, our our Heavenly Father cares for us. You know, and I've seen this as a parent, um, as a parent of a little girl. If I let my daughter Abigail do whatever she wanted, she would die. Like, I'm just telling you, she would die. She would not make it. it. Because the reality is, and this isn't bad, Babies are kind of dumb. Like, I mean, they're cute. They're great. I know that just hurt your feelings. Sorry, little girl. Uh, but, but, but they don't know anything. They don't. And, and there's been so many times as a parent where I've had to, like, stop my daughter from basically falling off a high, you know, s- stairs or different things to just protect her. And if it was up to her, she would love, this would be her perfect day. She didn't nap. She uh, could just eat cookies all day long. And just watch Coco Melon, which is her show. And she just would be, that would be a perfect day for Abigail. And some days, because we're not perfect parents, sometimes that happens. But, but if we did that all the time, I mean, that, that wouldn't be good for her, right? We would all agree with that. That would not be good for her flourishing and her growth um, as a person. And so for us, we believe that God knows more than we know. He is God, we are not. And if He is our God, then we, we, we've got to submit and trust in his wisdom over our own. Because if we're trusting in our wisdom, then really we're God in our lives, not him. That's the reality. And he loves us and cares for us. And, and the reality is God will let you go down your path. But, but he cares so much for you. He wants to lead you in a place of love. We believe that God has put on your heart a conscience to know what is right and what is wrong. And so often we choose what is wrong. And that was put by there by God. Even again, what we talked about with Ukraine in the beginning, there is something that we're aware of in our human heart when there's injustice or wrong things in our world, right? We have that awareness. And we believe that is God-given. That is evidence of God moving in, in our lives and making us aware of the standard that we're called to live by. And um, in Psalm chapter 1, one of my favorite psalms, it talks about the blessing of the person who walks with the Lord. It says, Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor seed in the feet of scoffers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. That's so true. That just like a tree that's right by a stream of water, there isn't an infinite amount of joy and nourishing that we get when we walk in God's truth. But here's the reality. And this is what I've seen. Many Christians are malnourished in, in, in growing spirituality. Many Christians might come to church, might go to a group of some kind, but are not feeding themselves daily throughout the week. And we wonder why we're not connecting with God. We wonder why we're so discouraged. And we're wondering why maybe we're not getting some of the things we're looking for. It's because we're malnourished. And so what we encourage here is, man, you need to be daily feeding yourself in God's word, daily spending time with him. And I remember when I first came to college, somebody encouraged me to read my Bible, and I was kind of viewing reading the Bible like reading Harry Potter. You know, you start at the beginning, you just read the whole thing, and that's it. But that's not how you actually read the Bible. You take it daily in chunks. And I, so I started reading just one chapter a day, and I journaled, and I prayed, and I just said, Lord, help me apply this to my life. 
And I've, and I've done this day after day for many, many years. And I, and I think when I, when I notice myself, if I miss a day or two, I, I begin to notice, man, something's off. Something's not right. We need the nourishing of God's word to fill us and to shape us. Because, if, again, if God is our God, he is the one who is shaping us, and we're submitting to him. He's not submitting to us. And that's, that's something that might be hard to uh, process through. And we want you to know this is a safe place to continue to ask questions about that. But we believe that if you're firm in truth, you will prosper and have joy. Um, and not just monetary joy and those type of things, but really pure joy that is built on God's truth. And so that's the first thing. Are you firm in truth? Second thing is this. Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Paul was supported by his friends. Even throughout this passage, we get to see examples of people he uh, did ministry with, worked with, hung out with. And the reason Paul did this was because he really valued having godly friendships in his life to encourage him, to build him up, to help him grow in his walk with Jesus. Paul even said in other parts of Scripture, he said to his friends, follow me as I follow Christ. And we need this. We need to be shoulder to shoulder with people who can help us grow in our walk with Jesus. And here's the ultimate question. Who are the people you surround yourself with? Are they helping you grow in the image of Christ? Or are they leading you astray? You know, there's so many studies that show that you are a combination of the five closest people to you. And, and, and are we surrounding ourselves with people that support you or encourage you or not? Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor that I follow, uh, he says this, that um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The reality is, and this might be hard, so I'm just going to feed it to you softly. Um, if, if, sorry, I don't know why I said that. I don't know, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> here's the reality. If you have friends that are leading you down the wrong path and causing you to do things you're ashamed of that go against your conscience, they're not real friends. A real friend respects your convictions. And if you're in a spot where you have friends that, again, are leading you down the wrong path, there might be a need to redefine some of these relationships. And again, I'm not saying you have to say, hey, I'm done with you guys, I'm friending you on Facebook, all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying at all. But again, I think we need to surround ourselves with people that encourage us and build us up in our faith. And for me, part of my story, uh, I, when I first came to college, I, I was part of a friend group that wasn't great for me. And I, I got into some of the party scene and, and some things that I'm not really proud of. And what I began to ask myself in that season, because I was going to church too, was, man, are some of these friends, if we weren't drinking together, would we still be friends? Like, what's the thing that actually draws us together? And that question really just messed with me in that season of my life. And, and I just began to pray and ask God, give me wisdom in this space. And, and I had to redefine some of those relationships. And I sought after uh, men who would help me grow in my walk with Jesus and encourage me, challenge me, and, and show me how to follow Jesus in the place that we were at. And some of these, these friends that I began forming, these godly friendships, are people that become some of my best friends 
And at any moment, if I called them or they called me and we needed each other, we would drop whatever we're doing to, to be there for one another because we just have that affection and care for our love of God and we care so much for one another um, that we would just be there for each other. And some of those old friendships, it was crazy because as uh, things started to change and adapt, they started to look at me differently and I was able to um, be an act- actually a better friend to them by being in a better place and, and being firm in my foundation of following Jesus. And, and, and even our friendships changed too in, in a better way. And so for you, again, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are the people in your life that you turn to when you need support and help? Because those people are going to be the people that are with you when times get tough and challenging. We need those people, and especially in a place like Athens. We need community. And we always say in our church, the first place to start is our groups. That's a great place where community happens. Some of our men's retreats, women's retreats, those, those are also good. But again, this is going to also take you stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone. We're not just going to hand this to you and just make it completely easy for you. I wish we could. That would be awesome. But this is going to take you taking some steps forward to actually engage with people to build relationships. It's going to take also just, man, praying and asking God to help. And also being aware that you're not alone. Sometimes we can feel alone. The enemy wants to make you feel that way too. Um, But the truth is you're not alone. You have Jesus. And, And praying to him and ask him to bring good friendships in your life, he will do that. He will do that. And so even in a tough place like Athens, if we're firm in truth and we're surrounding ourselves with the right people, God will move and protect you. But finally, the final point is this. Are you clinging to Jesus in times of trial? Are you clinging to Jesus? This is a key to following God in hard places. Are you clinging to him? Paul did this. If, if you look back at, um, I believe it's verse 9, it says, um, it, it, Paul goes to Jesus and just asks him for help, and Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm here with you. You're not alone. There are many people in the city who are with me. I'm going to protect you. This is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions in the world. Christianity is not just a religion with moral rules and guidelines to follow. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with the God who made you and loves you, and he is walking beside you in the storm, in the trials. Scripture says that Jesus is a friend. He is closer than a brother. And this, this might be one of those moments where you wake up and you're like, man, maybe the reason I'm discouraged, it's hard to follow God in this place, is I haven't been asking Jesus to help me to be aware that he is your guide. He's walking with you every step of the way. He loves you. Paul, he clinged to this reality. He clinged to the cross. He was aware that Jesus was perfect for him and that he invited Jesus into his life to save him and to, to help him to grow closer to him, even in the storm. You know, I was thinking about this when, when I was a kid. Um, my brother, who was very young at this point, he uh, fell into a pool. We were at a pool party, and he fell in the, into a pool, and he um, wasn't at the age where he could swim yet. And my dad, he, when he saw this happen, he jumped into the pool, but he had all his clothes on. He had a cell phone in his pocket. He just jumped, reacted, and jumped right in to save my brother's life, I think. Maybe, he was, maybe it wasn't that deep of water. I don't know. It was probably more traumatic than I remember. But, uh, but when I was thinking about that, I was like, man, that's what Jesus does for us. When we're drowning, when we're in trouble, when we need safety, he is there 
to be with us, to walk beside us. Scripture says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Philippians uh, 3.12, Paul says that, not that I've already obtained this or am perfect, but I press on and make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so why Paul could persevere was because he was clinging to Jesus. And even when the storms came and people were persecuting him, he was aware of that fact, that he was not alone, that God was with him every step of the way. And maybe for you today, maybe this is a moment where you can invite Jesus into your heart to know that he wants to walk beside you, that he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. And we want to invite you to continue to ask questions about this, to engage with this truth, and we want to walk with you together as you're walking towards Christ. And so as we, as we close today, again, the three, three questions, you know, are, you, are you firm in truth? Are you putting the right people around you? And then are you clinging to Jesus? If we do these things, guys, again, it's not going to guarantee that you'll be happy in this place or whatever it might be, but I think it puts us in the best position to hear from God and respond to him and to continue to grow to look more and more like Jesus. And also, too, I think it allows us to be in a place where we can do ministry in places like this. Paul was doing this, and it overflowed into his love of the city, that he cared so much for, for the city because of his love of God that he was able to see people come to know Christ and grow closer to him and see the church expand throughout the rest of the world. And so we are part of this story. We're part of this mission. And we want to be in a place um, that's following these examples of these first Christians to loving God and loving their community and knowing that we're all in this together because we're being led by our Savior Jesus. And so with that, um, I'll pray as the band comes forward. Lord, we're just so thankful to be here, to be in this place. Lord, I just, I just pray just for our hearts to be just ever more connected to you and trusting you. And even though we're, we can feel like, man, this is a difficult place, that we're not alone, that you're walking beside us. I pray, Lord, that we would be challenged by this message and that we would, we would seek to have good friendships around us and that we would be firm in truth so that when the waves come, we would be ready and firm. So Lord, lead us in this space and help us to grow more and more in love with you. So we pray all this in your name. Amen.